Brent Locker will be bringing the message tonight. There we go. Hey. I am so excited to be able to share with you tonight. Um, I think part of why I was so filled with joy tonight during worship was because of something I've been taking in and saturating and soaking in some truth uh, because real truth really sets you free. The real thing. And I've just been, what I'm about to share with you tonight, I'm actually super, super excited about it because I've been just taking it in at a really deep level. I just think this is hilarious, though, because because normally you guys don't may not know this. I'm going to let you in on an inside inside uh, information here that usually there's a little dot in the middle of the black square so that we know it's on, and I can go to the next one. But it's 33 something and 33 caliber. Like this is going to be an amazing message tonight. <laughs> I have no idea why it's 33. I didn't put it there. Jim didn't put it there. So Holy Spirit. Shoot away. Here we go. Um, this is what I want to talk about. God's view of our perfection. Now, um, how, just out of curiosity, how many of you were here Friday, a couple Friday nights ago when Stephen De Silva spoke? So at the other church where it was really hot. You probably can't you know, forget that one. He's the one that brought up this idea of perfection uh, the Hebrew understanding of perfect, perfection and shared a little bit about it. Well, that I, Suzanne told me about it because I wasn't actually there that night. I was speaking at another conference, at a Father's Love conference that night. And she told me about it. I got really intrigued, and so I listened to his podcast, and it sent me on this journey to um, look into it for myself. In fact, I would encourage you, when you hear something that piques your interest, dig into it yourself. Like, don't just wait for the next guest speaker. Um, dig into it yourself. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit's tugging on something for you. And there's so many resources on the Internet. I realize you, they're not all have the same uh, trust value. But, but there's so many resources out there. You don't have to have gone to seminary and know Greek and Hebrew to start checking into some of the amazing, cool nuances of things. So that, that was just for free there. I just wanted to encourage you to to check into stuff deeper. But here we go. Um, Matthew 5.48 says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That was Jesus that said that. Like we can't even pawn that one off on, you know, one of the disciples. Jesus said, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the way that most of us understand the word perfect, it kind of makes it feel like this. Doesn't it? What? Be perfect. Oh, and not just perfect, but as your father in heaven is perfect. Oh, that perfect. Got it. Got it. So uh, you remember I was just telling you how earlier God's taking your burdens off. And, and so now you're like, whoa, okay, this is getting really heavy. When I was, okay, I was saved when I was in junior high. But, but about my, in my college years, 
I started getting really serious about about my walk with Jesus and really wanting to know him and give my life to him and live for him and all that good stuff. But early on, um, I certainly had this view of perfect in mind. I thought that was kind of the Christian life, you know, that you had to do everything just so. And so, for example, uh, one of the things that I did, I, I lived um, in Southern California at the time, and I would I would commute uh, a couple times a year back and forth um, not commute, but I would drive up to UC Davis where I went to school. So, you know, I'd go back for holidays. And so a couple times a year, I'd make the long trek. But in those days, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember this, but the speed limit back then uh, for Highway 99 was 55 miles per hour. That's poking. I mean, are we ever going to get there? But just so you know, during those couple years of my life, I don't think I ever went 56 miles per hour on that trip. Because I couldn't, because 55. Now, understand something. I'm not trying to, like, promote lawlessness here. (laughs) Like, do whatever you want. Don't pay attention to the laws. I'm just saying that was all part of, of my understanding of what a Christian life was, that in every way you had to be perfect to the best you could. And, um... And, of course, as you probably have figured out, if you've ever lived that kind of life, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. But if you've ever tried to live that, the problem is is, is um, you can start to split the hairs of the split hairs when you're trying to figure out what is exactly the right thing to do. And, um, you know, some would say, well, for example, you can't, you can't go to R-rated movies. That's definitely out. I mean, because that's in... Some book in the Bible isn't. Anyway, I'm sorry. But, um, or some would say, well, you can, but not if it has this kind of stuff in it. And some would say, well, you can't go to movies at all. And others would say, well, you can't even watch TV, or at least you got to fast forward through the commercials. I'm, anyway, I'm just making it up. But you get what I'm saying is like, what's, what's the perfect thing to do, even if we wanted to live that way? Um, so it's going to have to go back to relationship, right, in the end. Um, relationship with Holy Spirit. But this is what our view of perfection that we mostly get from the the Greek world, uh, our understanding, this is what perfection feels like when we see a a verse like that. Now, Stephen De Silva told us, he said, um, he goes, look at an olive tree. They're just a bizarre tree. Um, I mean, look at that gnarly thing. That's I don't know if you could see it way back there because it might be light, but that's like one gnarled, you know, trunk like crazy. And he said the Greek uh, understanding, which is primarily what we understand as Americans, the Greek mindset is perfection is flawless, uh, without any defect, no, no failures allowed, which also means there's no room for improvement if you think about it. Because if we've attained perfection, then there's no more improvement. Well, any one of us are thinking, well, thanks anyway. Um, maybe next life, because that's not going to happen. Um, but if a, So for the Greek mindset, if you looked at an olive tree, you would say, that is definitely not perfect. Far from perfect. Not symmetrical. You know, all that kind of stuff. Just looks weird. But the Hebrew mindset, perfection is to function as designed by God. I'll let that one sink in for a minute. To function as designed by God. In other words, know who you are and be. Be that. 
Know who you are and be that. That's perfection according to the Hebrew mindset. All right? Let's see what's next. Um, So, when we start thinking about even Adam and Eve in the garden, um, and the way God designed them, right? He made them in his image, correct? Which means that they, Adam and Eve, were perfect in the Garden of Eden. In the way we just defined it. Does that mean that, you know, they didn't have any uh, moles or freckles or, I don't know, whatever you'd think would be imperfect, you know? We all know, the right, that one side of your face is slightly different than the other. Do you all know that by now? Right? If you do that, they're not exactly symmetrical. But they were perfect in the sense that that God made them exactly the way he wanted to. They were functioning perfectly, totally needing him for all things. And he was sufficient for all things. They were good to go. In fact, they were designed to live that way forever. Correct? So we have a problem that comes in, though, because there was a temptation. The temptation was to believe that God's design was not perfect and to fix it. Don't know if you ever thought about it this way before. You know, we give we give Adam a bad rap and then Eve, of course, you know, for making Adam do it and that whole thing. But without really thinking about really what was the temptation really, you know, to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, they had everything they needed from Papa. They walked in the cool of the garden and the enemy came along and planted the seed and says, you're not really complete. He's, you know, Papa's holding out on you. Um, and so, and, and you need to know good and evil for yourself rather than, than trusting him for all things. That's the origin of independence. So when you think about that for a minute, independence, I I can do this myself. I don't need, I don't need to trust Papa. I can do it myself. I'll I'll decide what's what's good and right for us. And to this day, that independent thing is is killing us. It's what it's why earlier when I was praying about the heaviness, so often so much of the heaviness we're feeling in our heart has to do with because we've slipped back into some independent living, which means we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to come up with our own resources. We're trying to fix ourselves and fix other people. And the more we do that, the heavier and heavier it gets. So that was the temptation. Oh, did I lose it? Let's try again. And then the, um, the sin, then sin entered, blinding us from the truth of our original design. When we think of sin, mostly in this room, most of us would think, when we talk about sin, you're thinking, well, it's an action. It's when I do this bad thing or hurt this person or I, you know, I do this or that. That's sin. No, sin, sin is a noun. There's a thing that happened, a blob, if you want. Here's a picture for you, just because I felt, felt like it worked better. <laughs> Instead of thinking of sin as the wrong things you do, Think of it as an entity that is trying to, whose job it is, is to put uh, something over you so that you cannot see yourself properly. Like this. Okay. 
all right, I'm in here. So, you know what? All of a sudden the world looks really different. Um, I can actually see most of you, believe it or not, in a little bit of light. But if I went to a mirror, which I don't happen to have right now, but if I went to a mirror and I looked at myself, I would go, oh, yuck. I don't, I don't, look very, I don't like myself. I don't look very good. I think I need to, to fix it myself. I need to change something. I'm so glad I don't have to live there anymore. When, in Romans 6, which we're going to read, uh, Romans 5, I'm sorry, which we're going to read in a minute, when it, when it says Jesus came and he took the sin problem away from us, this is exactly what he did. He went like this and said, that's not how you see yourself anymore because I took that away forever. The minute you said yes to Jesus, this veil, the one that's described in 2 Corinthians, the veil that blinds unbelievers, there you go. There's a veil. And that's what sin does is it distorts our image of our true self. It's a thing. It's a blob that we're all born with. Thank, thanks to Adam and Eve, what happened back then, we were all born with it. But lest we think that we're in this horrible movie that we can never get out of, we're already out of it. It's, it's not on us anymore. When you say yes to Jesus, it's gone. So then some of you, the next question would be then, why do, I, why do I sin? Meaning, why do I do harmful things? Why do I do destructive things? We do destructive things when, when we are not choosing to look at Papa and say, who do you say that I am? When we go back, so much of sin in the actions that we do is going back to old patterns, old things that used to provide us some level of comfort, though it was very false comfort and never actually gave you any comfort. But there's something in us that says, that says I'm, I'm missing something and I'm just going to go back and try this thing again. Well, you can go there a million times. It's never going to fill your heart. It's, it's never going to satisfy you. But what the Lord is saying is, I, I want you, I've taken this thing off. Well, first of all, by faith, you have to agree with that. Because if you believe this is on you, you're actually going to see, see things that way. Faith is, an, a faith is an amazing thing, both in the positive and in the negative. What you believe to be true does color your world. It's true. It's very true. And so if you believe there's this sin thing clouding over you, this blob that's still on top of you that maybe Jesus didn't do enough on the cross and for you it's still there, well, then it could feel like it. But the reality is by faith you're saying, no, absolutely, that's gone. Lord, Papa, who do you say that I am? Let me, I want to show it to you just so you know I'm not making this stuff up, okay? Oh, 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 oh. Okay, we're going back. I apologize. I have a video to show you first and then, and then a scripture. So, so many of you have seen this video. This is going to show very um, powerfully the problem when we are not seeing ourselves the way we really are. When we're not asking Papa, what does he see? That's even better than seeing ourselves the way, the way we see ourselves. If we say, Papa, can I have your eyes to see me? But if we don't see things that way, we actually think very, very poorly of ourselves. And it reflects on not only what we do, but how we relate to people. So some of you might have seen this before on the Internet, but check this out.
I always thought people were so cute when they have the little cheeks and they're like rosy, but mine are pretty plain. If I was going to change one feature about my face, I would say that I would want fuller lips. I'm definitely a person that looks tired when I'm tired, and when people say that, I immediately I'm like, oh man. I'm starting to already get little crow's feet and stuff, which like my mom has, so yeah. I'm a forensic artist. I was trained at the FBI Academy in 1993 in composite art. Worked for the San Jose Police Department as the police artist from 1995 to 2011. We didn't really know what we were doing, so that was nerve-wracking for everyone. I showed up to a place I'd never been and walked into this big warehouse, and at the very end there was a guy with his back to me with a drafting board. I had a curtain separating me so that I don't see him. Uh, we'll begin. First of all, tell me about your hair. Uh, brown. Long, I guess a little bit past my shoulders. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. Yeah, they're brown eyebrows, dark brown eyebrows. Okay. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. I guess I haven't really compared it to anyone else's chin, but um, especially when like I smile, I just feel like it kind of protrudes a little bit. Hmm. What would be your most prominent feature? I kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. You sort of realize, oh man, now I, I have to talk about myself and, and, and think about my looks. I'm 40, so I'm starting to get a little bit of the crow's feet thing going on. Um. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see him. I still didn't know. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin was a nice, thin chin. Mm. The women were really critical about moles or scars or things like that and yet they were describing just a normal beautiful person she had nice eyes they lit up when she spoke and were very expressive the length of the nose what is that like it's short short yeah cute nose her face was fairly thin she had blue eyes very nice blue eyes okay So this is your self-described image? And then somebody else described you and I did this sketch. I have this whole thing about having dark circles and crow's feet around my eyes and that was not part of the sketch at all that the stranger did. The stranger's was a little more like gentle.
She looks closed off and fatter. She just looks kind of shut down. Looks sadder, too. The second one is more beautiful. You think they're catching more of that from you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She looks more open and um, friendly and... long way in how I see myself but I think I still have some way to go <laughs> I have some work to do on myself do you think you're more beautiful than you say yeah yeah Chloe's perception was so, so clearly different. Her picture looked like somebody I thought I would want to talk to and be friends with, like a happy, light, much younger, much brighter person. It's troubling. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices in the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Our self-perceptions are generally kind of harsh and unbecoming when really that's not how the world sees us. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right and we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. same if it were guys doing it too um that isn't just for, for ladies but um but just think that was that was uh external um what would happen internally if we if if we did the same thing you know what do i look like what do i carry what are my treasures that's one of the reasons why at blazing fire we have a prophetic culture where we tap into the Father heart, the heart of God, and tell you how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, what riches you carry. Um, because for most of us, we don't see it that way. And sometimes we have to hear it 10 or 50 times before we'll start to actually believe, oh, wow, this is just the way people see me. This is who I am and what I carry. And every person in here, you are, you are amazing beyond measure. And God made you exactly the way he wanted, looks-wise, and what you carry on the inside. Um, I, tonight, because I knew this was going to be our topic, and I know we w knew we were going to talk about you know, functioning according to our design, I, I got so much joy out of watching every, all that was going on up here in worship. I really wasn't turned around that way, so I'm sure I would have had more joy with what you guys were doing out there worshiping, but I was watching this way and, and, you know, watching Joel and, and going for it and Aletta and what, what she brought and each person, Sherry and 
Ted over there and Daniel in the back on the drums, each one completely different personality, instrument. Um, it didn't, I don't know if you noticed, but it didn't matter to them whether they were playing or not or singing or not. They were totally engaged with the Lord. In other words, there are times in life when, when we're kind of active and doing things. There are other times in life when it kind of seems like we're not doing a whole lot. Do, do you know that God's not overly, he's not like hyper concerned with that? There are different seasons in your life. But what I was watching with this team and then and then even, you know, Sherry over here interceding and the worshipers with flags and everybody really, the more we, they lost themselves in the Lord, the more they were their true selves. And they didn't all look the same and they were all doing different parts. And yet together it was something beautiful. Well, that's the body of Christ. And, and so often we're, we're trying to compare ourselves to others. Well, I don't wave flags like that person or don't even like waving flags. What's wrong with me or whatever. It's like we've got to stop that comparison thing, uh, not just in worship and flag waving, but in life. Um, that comparison thing is, is killing us. It really is. Um, so you were just amazing the way you are. It's, oh, i got to say this too, if Daniel's still back there. Daniel, for some reason, when you were... One of those songs that you were worshiping, your hands were up. Yeah, I think you still have the sticks in your hands. But you're like totally worshiping. Here he is on the drums. He's not using his hands anymore. Like every fourth beat, I think he was hitting the hi-hat. Is that what that's called? The ch- every fourth beat, you know. Ch- but he's just up there worshiping. He's lost somewhere. I just, I just loved it. I was watching all this, and I'm going, this is such a beautiful picture of people not being so you know, so concerned with themselves, so inward focused, and am I doing it right? And they were just lost in the Lord. We actually can live life that way. We really can. The more we get in touch with him and look at his approval over us and and stop comparing and just enjoy life more, then we will actually get, start to walk in more and more that, that place of perfection which is functioning according to your design. All right? Here's, I mentioned earlier about, about uh, Adam, you know, this, the sin problem, right? And, and Jesus taking care of it for us. Here it is in Scripture, one of the places, Romans 5, 18 and 19 in the Phillips translation. We see, that at, that we see then that as one act of sin, that's Adam, Expose the whole race of men to God's judgment and condemnation. So one act of perfect righteousness, Jesus, presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. Acquitted means thrown out of court because there's no evidence. There's no evidence against you. It's been thrown out of court. That's what acquitted means. One man's disobedience placed all men under the threat of condemnation. One man's obedience has the power to present all men righteous before God. And that, and that righteous, whenever you see righteous, now you're getting to that same idea, the same concept. You might be saying, well, I'm not righteous. I still make mistakes. Now get back to the same concept of what we're talking about, which is perfectly Walking out who you are. Agreement with Papa. Agreement with your identity. There's a lot of places we can get identity in life. Um, only one place that's going to give you the identity that's, that's your true identity, and that's from the Father himself. Through Jesus. Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit. But that's the only place you're going to get it. It can't even come. 
it can't come, and this is for, especially for men, but for everybody, it can't come from what you do. That, that's one of the reasons why people, when, when um, people have put in too much of their identity in what they do, then when they, when they get fired, when something happens, wow, they come crashing hard. Why, why so hard? Oh, because their identity was wrapped up into that. Now I'm less of a person. Because I wasn't deemed valuable enough to the company for them to keep me. Now, I'm not saying we don't have disappointments and work through them with the Lord. But when, it, when you crash hard, there's reasons for that. Even relationships with others, significant others, those of you who are married, some, some uh, uh, you know, try to find their identity in that person. If they love me, then I'm okay. If they think I'm okay, then I'm okay. That actually can't be your identity either. Or your kids, or you know, go on. Your best friend. Um, it, it has to come ultimately from the Lord. Otherwise, you're going to do a lot of this, a lot of this up and down. Um, this is from. Isn't that a great picture? Um, I'll show it to you again. I'll take the words off in a minute. But this is from Ephesians four one in the mirror. I love this verse in this translation. I urgently appeal to you, therefore. With reference to your original identity, to conduct your life in such a way that your every move bears witness to the weight and the value of who you really are. So, what's your original identity? Adam and Eve were walking in it, and Jesus has brought you back to it. In Ephesians 1, it actually says, that, that you were in the Father's heart even before the foundation of the earth. See, that's your original identity. A son, a daughter, who's greatly loved, who's greatly cherished, who's made exactly the way he wants you. We're going to practice something because I'm going to do it later. But I want to ask you a question and I'm going to tell you the right answer, okay? The question is, I'm going to ask you, who are you? And you're going to answer, if you're... A male in this room, you're going to answer a son. And if you're a female in this room, you're going to answer a daughter. You ready? I gave you the right answer. Everybody got it? Okay. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Okay. Of the most high Father, who is wildly in love with you, who likes you just the way he made you, or he would have made you different. <laughs> hey, there's a good thought. <laughs> so that's your identity. I want to now. Okay, so this this was all. Oh, there's the picture again. Isn't that awesome? Just. Flying over, yeah, that's a person flying like on an eagle, but just soaring with the Lord up and over things. That's your, that's that's where He invites you because you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, are you not? That's part of your identity too. So I, I searched deeper. I gave you before the definition that Stephen De Silva gave me, but I looked myself and I started looking into this word tamim, which is, which is uh, the word, the Hebrew word for perfection, for perfect. Um, it's actually a noun. 
That ought to tell you something right there. It's not a verb. Most of us, when we think of perfect, we think of doing things to be perfect. It's a noun. It's a state of being. It's who you are. Where a person has completely expended all of their resources to come to the end of themselves. What? Are you kidding me? That doesn't sound like what we know of perfection. Oh, yeah, you've come to the end of yourself. You, you're done. Because you've done all you know to do. And, and now what's left is, it's got to be God. I got to go back to the source of why I'm alive, who made me, because he knows exactly what I'm doing here. See, as long as we're in that independent spirit thing, we're still, we're still getting duped by the same thing Adam and Eve did, that we're incomplete somehow, that God, for whatever reason, maybe he's uh, bored, maybe he's just too busy, maybe I'm not on his grid, but you know things aren't working out so good, so I'm just going to take over, and I'm going to work this through, and I'm going to lose a lot of sleep, and I'm going to do some really destructive things in life because my life's falling apart, and I've got to try to pull it back together, and... Do you see where that goes? Bad places. Bad places. Um, <laughs> I could go there. <laughs> but instead, this word tamim, perfection, perfect, means to walk with God, giving him all of myself and keeping nothing in reserve. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that, isn't that what we said we did when we exchanged our lives for Jesus, Right? You know what, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. Take my life. Do what you want. It's a great prayer, uh, and it's awesome, and, and I know we mean it when we say it. And then it kind of gets tested as life as we live life out. And we're like, okay, maybe I just could take this back because I think I know what to do here. Remember, remember um, when we, when we uh, had our School of Supernatural Ministry this year? And we kind of changed all the, the rules. You know, we just said, we're going we're gonna to step way out on a limb. We're going to do this uh, pay it forward idea. We're not going to charge people. Suddenly we went from a few students to a whole bunch. And across the world, there are people that got blessed by this school. It was awesome. But the reason why we even did that is because the Lord had challenged me with something. We kind of knew how to do our school. We did it for so many years. We did it really well. See, I got it. I know how to do this. I know how to advertise. I know how to get people. I know how to set up the classes because we've done it so many times before. And God challenged me and said, would you like to go again to a place where you don't exactly know what's going to happen? Where you have to trust me? I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I signed up for. And then once I knew it was his heart to do so, that, that we step out and take this pretty radical step of faith, then the choice was simple because that's what I signed up for, which is I, I got to do what the Lord tells me to do, and I have to go to places where he's got to show up. Otherwise, otherwise what, are we, what are we really doing? We're just going on living our life, you know, and I don't know about you, but me living my life isn't all that great, so I'd much rather go God's way. Um, now, okay, so there's tahim, Tamim. Here's, here's another part of this. Come on, baby. Woo! Okay. Did you, did you get that? 
Here's part of Tamim as well. To accept that my father who loves me more than I can comprehend also loves me to the degree that he is not willing that any part of me that does not reflect and speak of his nature be allowed to remain. See, this is the coming to the end of yourself thing. This is the, oh yeah, God's a consuming fire. There's a reason why our church is called Blazing Fire. It's because we set, we want the passion, we want the presence. Guess what that means? That means surrender. That means if you want to go to the deep places with him and the high places with him, there's some other things that aren't going to go along on the journey. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. You cannot be in control of your life, want to keep all your dirty laundry and whatever else and go to the high places all the time with God. He's like, well, which do you want? I love you just the same, but if you want to come up here, those things got to go. Those clothes don't fit you anymore. Um, so that's part of what this means in coming to the end of ourselves. This is part of, of how we walk in that place where we are functioning according to our actual original design. Now, Abraham, Abram, because this is before he was Abraham. Check this out. God says to him, well, when Abram was 99 years old, this is in Genesis 17, 1. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. Abram, I want you to walk before me and be perfect. Now think about this. Jesus wasn't on the earth yet, hadn't died a death yet. And God saying to Abram, I want you to be perfect. I want you to be Tamim. Abram, I want you to come to the end of yourself because I want the world to see what happens when I say some pretty impossible things and throw some covenants out there because I can't help myself. And somebody is willing to get to the end of himself, which he had to do, right? He tried to make it happen himself. He made big boo-boos that we're still living with on the earth today. By trying to do it himself. But God says, yeah, but you know why I consider you righteous, tamim, perfect? Is because you believed me. You came to the end of yourself and said, I believe God, he's going to do it. That is tamim. That pleases me to no end. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. None of you can fix yourself, let alone other people. On your best day, you get some revelation about some things in your heart that, that aren't quite right. And even on that best day, it's not up to you to fix it for God. It's up to you to say, Papa, I don't thank you for showing me this. That's not the real me. That's not my original identity. Would you, would you take care of this? That's, that's what he's asking from us. And that, you know what? That's vulnerable. That's scary. If you have some deep trust issues, if you've got, how do you trust someone when you have deep trust, trust issues? Do you think God doesn't know that? He does have a way of breaking those down over, sometimes over time, sometimes over years, until you finally realize, oh, he really is a papa who I can trust. 
And he says, yeah, I am. Always have been. You can trust me. I'm going to take care of you. Now check this out. So that's Abram. And by the way, you, you all know too from reading that story, he was in the, per, in the sense of perfect, like, you know, the Greek sense, he was not very perfect. Did you know that? You know, adultery, child out of wedlock. I mean, we can go on and on. And God says, and you're my righteous man. You're my perfect man. Why is that? Oh, because you chose to believe me that I could turn this around and do what I said I was going to do in your life. And now the whole world's going to see it. And because you are willing, you're going to have more descendants than the grains of sand, than the stars in the sky. That's, that's a different part of perfect than we've believed in the past, isn't it? That's, that's not the kind of perfect we think about. So check this out. Now that you understand this understanding of Tamim, you can look at actually the sacrifice of Jesus a little bit differently. Jesus, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, was a lamb without spot and blemish, right? He was perfect, which means what? He held nothing back. He came to the end of his own resources as a man and said, Father, I'm yours. My life is yours. I'll do anything you say. And in, in the end and into your hands, I commit my spirit. That's a different side of perfect. Did he also perfectly keep all the laws for us? Yes, he did it all. But you may have never thought about this, that, that actually that Tamim, his, the perfection of Jesus, how did he get there? He said, Papa, I trust you. I'm your son. I know who I am. I'm your son. You are going to take care of me even when it looks really bad at times. And in the end, he's, he's raised to be seated with the Father. And all of creation is going to worship him for eternity. But as a man, he let it all go. He said, Father, I'm yours. You do what you want. And... Um, one more verse from uh, Luke twelve forty eight. This is a different kind of understanding of this parable to, to uh, the parable of the talents. But to him whom much is given, much will also be required. And we usually think of that in terms of our spiritual gifts, you know, our life. When he, when he gives us certain things, if we invest it well, he'll give us more. And that's true. There are layers to this, to this story. But that word required actually means sought from, seeking. So to the one who's given much, much will be sought from you. Our Father wants us to see that he has given much to us. See, he's deposited his glory, his spirit right inside of you. He's given you much, much, much. And now he seeks to find that much inside of us. He's seeking to find it. He's pulling it out. He's seeking for his son and he's seeking his son in you and me. This is wild. He is seeking himself in you and me. See, he's drawing it out of us. He's like, you're in my image. You are the body of Christ. How many different uh, words are used like that? And we're all going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. I'm more in the body of Christ. Awesome. Yay. And no, he's like, no, you don't get it yet. You're, you are the body. You are Christ on the earth. 
Let's use some different words. And that really, you know, that can really bother some people. Like, wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm just saying what the Bible's saying. I'm just saying what God said. That's Christ in you. you, you you're Christ on the earth. He's, and so the Father's drawing it out because he wants you to see what's inside of you. Why else would he say in 1 John that one day when we see him, we shall be like him? How do you explain that? I want you to, we're going to see a clip, a movie clip, wake you all up a little bit from, now you're with me, most of you are with me, that's good, Um, from The Lion King, Simba, forgetting who he is, thinking he has so blown it, he's, you know, he's not followed in his great father's footsteps, the king of the beast, and he feels like a total failure. And so Rafiki is saying, remember who you are. I'm going to show you your father. my reflection. No. Look out. You see, he lives in you. you feel like you've blown it. God's actually not going to let you rehearse that very long before he's going to break in and say, remember who you are. Yeah, but God, I blew it so bad. Now you can't use me. Remember who you are. I have a question for you. Who are you? A little bit later, in just a few minutes, we're going to get to some ministry. But and I'm going to, I'm going to hold something up for some of you over here. I'm going to be off to the side. We're going to have our prayer team over here if you need prayer ministry. But I found this just recently. You're not going to be able to see it well from where you are. But it's not only a lion looking right back at you, but it's 3D and it you know it leaps out at you when you're up close. 
And uh, I, I want to, at the end of this, especially if you're feeling like you need a reminder of who you are, I'm going to actually I'm gonna have a line, and I'm going to hold this up, and I'm just going to tell you who you are. Now, I, it's got to be a short thing, you know, like 30 seconds tops each because there's a lot of you. But, um, but for some of you, you need to look, and re- this is just a reminder to look and remember who you are. Because when you choose, by the way, that's called repentance. Uh, Come on, baby. There we go. That's called repentance. Meaning, repentance can come in a lot of different ways. But if you have a wrong perception about yourself, you have a choice. You can continue to think wrongly about yourself or you can repent and choose to believe who the Lord says you are. And the quicker you do that, the faster you're going to be on your journey living who you are perfectly as, as a perfect son or daughter because you're functioning in his design for you. So in other words, if you feel like you've blown it, this is not um, you know, 50 steps and a three-year journey back to the Lord. It's It's this fast, but it is your choice. He gives us choice. He says, remember who you are. So who are you? I just told you. Son, daughter. We have the spirit of adoption. We are sons and daughters made perfectly in God's image the way Papa wanted us. Here it is in Romans 8. 14 to 16, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You're amazing beyond measure. You rock. You're astounding. You look so good. And if I can say that, and and I'm just, you know, here representing the Father the best I can to where I'm at today, the best I am living in my design function, can you imagine how good it really, really is? Because that's the best I can do, but... Believe me, I'm just getting, you know, fractions of what of what he feels for you. Now, check this picture out. I want you to see this. Come on. There we go. Oh, yeah, right there. It's really light, unfortunately. Um, so I'll explain it to you a little bit. But that's a little baby in the father's hands. Kind of turned up, you know, hands up towards Papa. Enter God's rest by holding nothing back. Go all the way with your father. Be tamim. Be perfect. That is a picture. Because you say, how can I do that? There you go. Picture paints a thousand words. That's tamim. Papa, daddy. Papa, I can't do this. He says, I know. I know. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for coming to me. Notice, too, you can't really see it in this picture, but that baby's got no clothes on. Like the old copper t- 
top, copper tone. Yeah. No clothes on. Why is that significant? Because that's what it requires. It requires nakedness on your part. Think about Adam and Eve. Originally, nothing hidden. And then again, you know, then they were told the lie, something was wrong. They had to hide up, they had to cover up. So you are perfect to the core, to the essence of who you are. And this is Tamim, this is perfection to say, Papa, here you go. Here's my heart. Can we just go on this journey together? Can we, can you just take me to places where I get to release who I am? To the world without comparing myself to anybody else. And Papa, I'm going to need help along the way. So here you go. Here's my heart. And the more you can do that, it's scary at times at first, but the more you can peel your heart back, the, the better your journey is going to get. And real quick, the difference between introspection and doing what I just explained is, is night and day. Introspection is you peering into your own heart and going, yuck. That's kind of like this thing right here. That's kind of like going, oh, yuck, I don't like my heart at all. It's yucky. And Jesus says, oh, I took care of that problem for you. And now would you let me take a look? Just do this. What what do you see? (laughs) And the cool thing about God, he is is tenderhearted. He is gentle. He, he He can go right in and do surgery. Don't get me wrong. But he knows... How, how to get you there. He knows what you're ready for. He's not going to overwhelm you by having you deal with everything at once. And for some of you, that's frustrating because you're like, dang it, I just want to be done already. <laughs> Can I just tell you that in the process, you are perfect. You are tamim. This is what makes you tamim. Is it, That very process is what turns God on about you. He's like, I love that. I love that you would keep letting me into your heart. I love that we can go deeper and deeper. I was there when some horrible things happened to you, and I don't want those things to identify you. Because your past mistakes or things done to you do not identify you. That's not your identity. Your only identity is right here. Papa, what do you say? I have more, but I think I'm going to stop right here because it just seems like a good place to stop. And... um, We'll just share more another time. I'm, I'm going to, I want to pray though. I want to pray with you. Um, would you stand please, if you're able. Who are you? Who are you? And you look amazing. You do. I want you to say, now that you've heard the definition, I would like you, if you're able to do this, to repeat after me to say, I am perfect. I am functioning the way God designed me. I am, Papa, I give you permission into my heart. 
to look into my heart and to show me things that I need to see so that I can invite you to heal me. And for some of you, he's, he is already showing you some things. There's, for some of you, there's things you have, you've stuffed down for a long time just to function. And he knows that. But he's saying, hey, can we, can, can, can we go on a journey? Can you take my hand? Can we just go to a, a deep level? And would you let me take care of those deep hurts so that the enemy can't poke there at you anymore? So that you don't have to expend so much energy keeping it stuffed down. And your yes to that, if, 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 you, if you like that idea, just say, yes, Papa. Yes, Papa, I trust you. I trust you. And again, he's, he's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's straight out of scripture. He's not going to, he loves you too much. See, he's going to get you there successfully. He knows if he overwhelms you with too much, you'd give up. He's not going to do that. But if you're on that journey and it just seems like one more thing and one more thing, just understand you're going deeper and deeper. It's getting better and better. It's not, it's not an endless cycle. It's not, you're not going to have to go around the mountain a million more times. But just trust him. And he's doing exactly what he told you he would do. Just, just ask this, Papa, what do you see in me? Who do you say that I am? <laughs> and Holy Spirit, would you help us to remember Remember, help us to remember, to remember our original identity in Christ. Rooted, <laughs> purchased, free, free from sin. We're free. In fact, would you say that I am free from sin? But this time say it like you mean it. I am free from sin. That, that sin blob can't tell me what to do anymore. It's true. <laughs> and so the Lord's going to tell you more and more who you are. He'll send people along the way who will help you, but he's, he's going to be your primary source to tell you who you are until you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more you walk in the true identity. And that's his plan. That's his idea of perfection. That's where he's taking you. Okay? And he loves you right where you are. He loves you like crazy right where you are. So one, one last phrase. Lord, help me to know who I am. 
so that I can be who I am. <laughs> I hear him saying, okay. So, can I have the prayer teams up here? If you're on the prayer teams, come on up. We just want to be able to bless people. And again, tonight earlier when I was saying I was feeling so much lightness of the Lord and, and, and really wanting to exchange heaviness for, for lightness, you know, any sorrow for joy and all that good stuff. So particularly if you came in here tonight and you want someone to just pray that in agreement over you, that'd be a great thing. I mean, you can come up for all kinds of other stuff that you want prayer for, but that would just be an awesome thing. Um, like I said, I'm going to, I'm looking where, um, maybe, maybe I'll go, no, no, you're over there. I'll go way up in the corner. Uh, I'm going to go in the corner with, with the lion picture. And as you come up, um, actually, you don't really need to say anything. I just had you repeat a lot of things. So all I want you to do is look right in there. I may say a few things to you. But mo mostly, I just want you to take that moment, even if it's a brief moment, just, just to kind of lock in and go, okay, yes, Lord, I'm choosing to remember who I am. Because you, you are truly great beyond measure. All right. So I bless you with with the peace and the love of Jesus. Amen.